Hello and welcome to the Let's Talk As Your podcast with your host Sam Foote and Anne Armstrong. If you're new here, we're a pair of Azure and Office 365 focused IT security professionals. Each episode, we talk about a specific topic in the space. This week is episode 11 of season three. We're going to have a chat around Azure Cognitive Services, a group of features designed to add cognitive abilities to your application. There are a fair few of them, so strap in for a whistle-stop tour through all of them. Hey, Alan, how are you doing this week? Hey, Sam, not doing too bad. Uh, It's been a very busy week for me. How about you? Yeah, we've been very busy this week getting our new uh, podcast artwork and website um, out the door. Uh, It's been very exciting, hasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Hopefully everyone's seeing it now uh, on their... uh their players i think it, we started doing it last week didn't we there's a few sort of we would just uploading it and get it all ready so we could announce it so yeah and we've got our um we've also updated our website as well haven't we yeah so we've got a f- uh, so we've got some fresh artwork which i think is a little bit more um I- inviting than what we had in the past uh which is good uh we're a few seasons in now so yeah we're definitely um wanting to sort of up uh, the quality as, as much as we possibly can now. Um, yeah, and the website is is no different. We've got a like a dedicated sort of a podcast like uh, website as, as a platform that we use. And I think one really cool feature that I just want to call out is you can leave us a voicemail uh, on the website. So um, what we're planning on doing is doing sort of a Q&A um, a bonus episode. So if you go onto the website, in the bottom right-hand corner, there will be a little microphone. If you click that, you can record a message. Um, and what we can do is we can, um, if appropriate, we can play that back in the episode. <laughs> um, or we can, um, so yeah, please do submit um, questions to us. You know, uh, it can be Office 365, Azure-related, um, uh, sort of uh, from a professional uh, stance, if you've got any questions about uh, what we've done over our careers or any advice um, that you, you want for yours. Um, yeah, definitely please leave us a, a voicemail. And if, if we do get some, um, we'll wrap them up into uh, a bonus episode or, or two, uh, depending on how many we get. So yeah, go go and check out the website. It's um, letstalkpodcast.co.uk. Um, and yeah, it should be a lot nicer experience than the previous one, shouldn't it, Al? Uh, yes, definitely. I think it's definitely a, a big upgrade uh, for us, our website because we did have one previously but um y- yeah it's just it it was it came with our uh our distribution mechanisms didn't it so um yeah also with those um voice messages you know it can also be around the, the microsoft security stuff as well um as well as office 365 and azure and like like sam said our, uh, our career stuff um but we're also i'm gonna put it out there that going to plan to put some blog posts on there as well um hopefully tying in with some of our podcasts yeah exactly yeah so um yeah one of the struggles that we have with podcasts is that we can't actually show you anything so um yeah we're going to try and start um with some sort of frequency i'm not sure what that frequency will be yet is to start um uh, writing up some blog posts where we can talk about some of these uh, features and be a bit more visual um in in how we're explaining things um, so, so, so what are we covering this week, Al? Uh, so this week we are going to cover Azure Cognitive Services. And, uh, I think you are going to take the, the SME, the, the, the person or the, uh, the host that has done some research into it to, to 
guide us through this episode. Yeah, lots to cover in this one. Um, and yeah, loads of different services, um, you know, with, with Azure Cognitive Services is, I'm going to say, exploding massively um, and very quickly. Um, I have actually deployed and used one of the cognitive services in a production application before, but that was quite a while ago. And when I came back to research this episode, I was like, wow, this has changed like a huge amount. So, um, so yeah, so it, it should be a good one. There are a lot of areas to cover, so I'm going to try and keep to it. I'm going to try and give you sort of the high-level overview and the, the key features of each one to get through them um, because each one could be an episode in itself and each area could be an episode easily in itself. So uh, without further ado, should we, should we kick off, Alan? Yeah, definitely. So let's start off with the basics. You know, what is Azure Cog- Cognitive Services? Okay, so um, if you, uh, what I want to do is I want to start with how you would traditionally utilize um, AI or machine learning in your application. You know, if you didn't have cognitive services, um, there are there are many different um, machine learning uh, mechanisms, um, but but essentially you would <clears throat> you would um, decide uh, the problem that you're trying to solve. So let's say um, you uh, wanted to detect certain entities in images. Let's say that as a you know you wanted to you know um, take pictures and identify any pictures that have got dogs in them. Um, you would first collect your your data set to train on. You would then train a machine learning model, or there's different ways of doing that, but I'll just call it train train that model. Um, and then once you've trained that model, you would then put that model into use and actually start feeding uh, data through it. But in order to do that, you need um, uh, people with the the specialist skills in order to do that. You also need the hardware to do it um, and a good amount of time researching, you know, um, those different data sets in in order to train your model. Um, And so if you want to build your own, you know, uh, models and have your own intellectual property, that's a really good way to go. Um, But some applications, their main focus isn't on necessarily, well, from a marketing perspective, maybe, um, but their main focus isn't on that AI capability. What what they need is some, um, some workloads and features are complex to implement without AI. AI can make um, certain workloads like image recognition. Uh, once they're actually built, it can make them very efficient and very um, accurate in, in order to do that. So um, what Cognitive Services does is it effectively says, don't bother with any of that <laughs> in a really simplistic way. Um, what uh, Microsoft will do is Microsoft will train those AI models for you. They will then um, wrap them up into a service that you can consume, I'm going to say easily. And the reason why I say easily is compared to the process that I've just described, You know, because there's still going to be an element of effort that you've got to do to consume these APIs. But effectively, you're, you've got you know um, machine learning models, AI as a service, uh, basically. So you can connect to a, a REST API, and you can consume these these models and these different um, uh, feature sets um, with without having to go through that laborious process. Um, and we and I so so the different areas. So actually, before I go into the areas, I'm just going to talk about how cognitive services is a little bit different as well in terms of it isn't just a REST API. Um, Microsoft 
ha- have actually got the ability with some of the, the the features and functions to be able to run cognitive services at the edge inside of Docker containers. So if you're um, the, the data that you're you're maybe processing with with your models um, is sensitive. Um, you know, maybe it's medical images and medical scans, or you're doing OCR of, um, you know, uh, sensitive information. And maybe you're in a regulated industry where, you know, it's not just a simple case of sending up to Microsoft in order to, for them to, to, to mine, um, or process that information. Um, you can actually run uh, Docker containers at the edge that require, um, a reasonable, I'm not going to say re- uh, reasonable specifications in terms of like not complex boxes to run them on like gpu accelerated boxes and things like that um and you effectively connect it and you get build on a consumption basis um, for them as well so you don't have to go with a fully connected um system and you can also run them uh partially disconnected as well um you you have to check them in every so often to sync up the billing data um but that's a very flexible way to go um, there's five main areas of cognitive services. There's speech services. So that's looking around um, actual spoken uh, spoken language and words. You've then got language, which is more um, textual representation of, of language, um, OCR um, and um, entity recognition. Um, you've got vision, so image and video um, uh, vision um, recognition systems. I'll, I'll go through those. Um, there's, they've got an area for decision making. Uh, decision making, anomaly tracking. There's some uh, some really good uh, t- tooling in there that I'll, t- I'll talk about. And then they've got a whole separate section for OpenAI. If you don't know who OpenAI is, um, they they are an organization that um, trains uh, specialist uh, machine learning models for various different workloads. Uh, you may have heard of ChatGPT. You may have heard of uh, Dali E. Um, and they have many other. Um, not as popular, I would say, um, machine learning models. Um, Microsoft's relationship with OpenAI is very, I'll call it close, um, because we are now seeing OpenAI technologies being implemented directly in um, Microsoft products. So we've seen that in Office um, recently. We've seen it in seen it in Power Platform, haven't we? We've seen it in their security solutions. Um, we've seen it uh all over the place uh bing is another big place that um open ai and chat gpt is being embedded in um and microsoft have made very recent uh, quite recently a, a very large investment i think 10 billion dollar investment into open ai i think they're they own like 50 percent of it or 49.9 percent of open ai or something like that um but we've definitely seen a, a very close you know we've we've got um uh, the the founder of OpenAI being included on keynote speeches um, with Microsoft, so they that Microsoft are spending a lot of lot of money um, implementing these um, AI driven solutions into their products. But also, and quite great for us, they're also exposing those that functionality to us in a way that we can consume for our applications. Wow, that I mean that seems like a a lot just just talking about it there. I mean, yeah, OpenAI and ChatGPT has been definitely on the news and in media recently. Yeah, definitely. But um, yeah, okay. So let's uh, let's let's check out one of these areas. So you know, what what does you know what speech focused solutions are there? 
Okay, so um, I'm going to just go through each one. I'll try and keep it to a couple of minutes. Alan, please fire any questions you've got at me and I'll try my best to, because I have been through quite extensively the documentation on these ones So um, and, and played around with them quite a bit. So uh, the first one I want to talk about is speech to text. So that is um, like uh, spoken uh, speech um, and then that can then be transcri uh, transcribed into text. Um, so what's amazing about this service is it supports over a hundred different languages. Um, you can, um, customize the models that are used. You can add your own specific words and base vocabulary to your text to speech modules, uh, models. So if you imagine the way that I kind of see this is like, you know, when you're in word and you've got to add something to your local dictionary, that's what you're able to do, um, with, with this as well. This solution can be run at the edge in containers as well. And um, Microsoft make it very apparent that this is the same technology that they're using in their other Microsoft products. So, you know, when we're seeing transcription, you know, um, you, can tr you can transcribe in, you can uh, dictate in Word and things like that, can't you? Um, that's what you're, you're, you're seeing here. So, yeah. Um, yeah, sorry, go on, Anna. I was going to say, yeah, I was just about to say, is this is this going to be using that cognitive services? So you've, you've yeah, we 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 don't know, but I can highly assume that it's yeah. the same underlying tech, right? Um, you can feed in um uh, audio from microphones, um, uh, audio files, and you can stream it in from blob storage as well. So um, so yeah, it's really um, it, it is 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 it's very powerful in terms of um. You know, we use um, similar technology on the podcast to write our, to automatically generate our transcripts. Um, so it's the same kind of uh, models um, uh, that, that are being utilized here. Okay, so the next one is the opposite way around. So it's actually synthesizing text into speech. So um, we, I think we've all heard it in different like reels and TikToks and uh, YouTube shorts, you know, when you get the, um, I can't remember what the name of the bots are that they use on those uh, short form uh, videos, but this is effectively taking, um, yeah, uh, textual input and actually um, synthesizing it into speech. What's interesting about this is there's a big play here on not making it sound like a robot. <laughs> which I think is quite interesting. So um, you can create um, your own AI voice generator um, and the words specifically from Microsoft, and I quoted them, um, create a unique voice generator that reflects your brand's identity. Okay, I haven't used this yet because I would like to create an AI voice generator for the podcast <laughs> and I will utilize my credit <laughs> as much as we need to for this. Maybe what we should do, Alan, is use the text-to-speech API to record our new intro, maybe. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, <laughs> um, yeah, again, this one can be deployed um, to the edge as well. So you can do, um, uh, you can, you can do it. You don't have to do it in, in the cloud um, if, you, if you don't want to. Um, there is an audio content creation tool um, to allow you to fine tune uh, the synthesized speech audio to um, to tune it to your to, to your liking, um, and um, you can also adjust the rate, pitch, pronunciation, pauses um, of the actual um, AI model itself. So it's it's not just you know text to speech; it's also customization 
of of that speech model as well. So, yeah, kind of scary in in some ways. <laughs> um, the next service is speech translation. Um, so um, you can uh, convert text. Uh, you can convert speech to translated text at that point. Um, Thirty languages are supported in in this mode. Um, again, this is um, this is technology that is in use uh, by Microsoft. Um, you can customize. Uh, you can tailor the model for translation, so you can add specific terminology. Um, and unique speaking styles. I, back in the day, used to work for a language learning um, startup, and there are many different nuances to how different text is translated um, that is sometimes overridden, dependent on the context of what you're teaching. Um, so um, so that, that's, that seems like a really positive thing uh, for me. Um, and um, I think what um, what Microsoft are keen to point out with, with this one is as well is is there's 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 from their perspective there is no logging of your your speech um, once it's passed through the service, um, so it, it's in it's um, it's translated to, to the output and then I assume discarded on the services side um, at that point. Um, I don't know if this one can be run at the edge. I think that's why they call out um, the no logging, basically, because this one isn't currently um, at, at the edge. Um, and then the last one in the speech section, which I personally think is probably the coolest and the scariest for me, right? Somebody that's seen Terminator, The Matrix, right? This This is... <laughs> This is minority report for me. Um, the next one is speaker recognition. So you can use um, a speech to do a verification of who is talking um, and uh, cross compare against samples of spoken um, a spoken voice from a specific person. But what's even cooler than that is being able to identify speakers within a group setting. Of, of chatting as well wow. that's so that's pretty cool i yeah i'm not yeah it kind of scares me in some <laughs> respect right and i've got i just have to call this out i've got you know <laughs> i got no reason to distrust microsoft whatsoever but this is starting to get into like um scary territory for me uh definitely um this one i don't believe could be run at the edge as well so it makes it a little bit more um uh, scary from 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 that but um, yeah, you, you can go through a user enrollment process where you effectively train the model on a, a, to identify a specific person. You then um, you can then uh, obviously do your audio capture, and then you can run it through the process to get speaker recognition um, at the at, at the end of it. Um, what what I'd kind of like to see is I wonder if we could we might be able to start seeing. Um, you know, sort of like MFA, but with voice prompt instead. You know, I don't yeah. know if the signature of your voice is close enough biometric, unique enough biometrically, if that makes sense, you know? so Yeah, I guess it could be a part of one, maybe. Maybe you have that plus something else. I mean, you always sit on the movies, don't you? You know, art, you know retina scan plus speak your special word and <laughs> things like that. But um yeah, maybe it's a two-part step there. Maybe you put your pin in, and then you have to say something to prove that you're actually there. Yeah, 
I, 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 yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know. But um, Microsoft call out that this this can be good for personalized experiences, um, identifying who is um, maybe part of this audio capture. You know, so if you ran this, you know, maybe you've got like a, you know, um, the, the thing is in an application perspective, you would know the identity of the user that's like logged in, if that makes sense, right? So personalization from an application perspective is relatively easy because you usually know who every, well, quotes, you know who everybody is, right? Um, so so for, for me, I just think this is like, um spy sort of stuff <laughs> to me to be so honest with you I, you know I, like wiretaps you know um this is <laughs> that's, that's what I, it feels like to me i i, I kind of see it potentially uh not as um uh secret like that sort of thing but um <laughs> maybe things like um like committees and things like that where you're having discussions and maybe you're recognizing who's in that room things like who who's attended or you know accompanied with the dictation side of things of who's talking that you might be able to then you know, almost automate your uh, your minutes i guess that yeah, might definitely. be part of yeah. what might be coming into the uh, the premium microsoft teams isn't it where it's doing all your dic- all that sort of stuff in next steps so maybe yeah, it's already no, great, done <laughs> yeah great shout yeah a combination of that with with um yeah uh speech to text right to get yeah who is actually talking yeah that's a great that's a really great use case of that. Cool, cool. Okay, I think we need to move on to the next one because we've yeah <laughs> we're, uh, we we didn't spend two minutes on each of those for sure. Um, so <laughs> the next section, um, uh, language processing solutions. You know, can you explain some of those that uh, are in this uh, in this this area? Okay, so the first one um, is um, so this area is cognitive service for for language. Um, and the first one is um, named entity recognition. Okay, so what named entities are, are um, if you imagine you've got a set of unstructured text, so you've got some user input from, from somebody, maybe you've got like a legal, let's, let's say you've got a legal document. Um, what you might want to do is you might want to run uh, an analysis to understand um, where in that document different organizations have been referenced, maybe how many different types of, uh, how many different people have been, um, uh, you know, mentioned in that, maybe different skills, that are, you know, uh, maybe different email addresses that are inside of the, so you're effectively taking unstructured data, applying labels to it so you can understand the content of that, not just the structure, but what, what's actually included in it. What's great is that Microsoft has got this thing called the Language Studio, and for a lot of these cognitive services, you can actually go and demo it. So for instance, for the um, named entities, you can try it out. They've got example like NDAs, emails, um, uh, banking uh, emails, and different bits like that. And you can run it and you can show how it's actually processed that text and found um, named entities inside of it. Um, the next is sentiment analysis. So sentiment analysis um, is is it's it's an area that is used um, you know when you know when you've interacted maybe with like a chatbot it asks you how good your experience was you know um, what they also do is use things like sentiment analysis to understand um, the sentiment of what's actually been spoken in that in that chat so it might be that 
Um, they're trying to detect that maybe one of their customers is frustrated. Maybe they're not getting the the customer focused, you know, customer centric uh, user experience that they should be getting. Um, you know, and and understanding, you know, uh, sentiment analysis is used a lot in um, like uh, social networks to understand how you know uh, public opinion about certain things is is, is happening. Um, so there's um, there's a sentiment analysis which can apply sentiment labels um, on text, so it can have like labels such as negative, neutral, and positive connotations coming from from them. And it, it also gives you a score uh, from zero to one, uh, you know, with like a percentage increase, uh, basically, you know, zero, 0 0.1, 0.2, et cetera, um, probably more granular than that. Um, but it can, it can actually tell you how confident it thinks it is um, uh, with that. Um, there's also another part of it, which is called opinion mining, which I'd never heard about before I started um, reading up on this. Um, and it's another part of uh, natural language processing, um, which gives you more granular feedback about the opinions related to the words that were used, not just applying a positive, neutral or negative uh, um, sort of label to it. Um, the next step, uh, section for me is... Um, a question answering. So it allows you to feed in your knowledge base of um, unstructured documents and text. And what this can um, then do is it can build um, a, a Q&A um, knowledge base system around it. So you can effectively, um, you can use it to drive uh, like uh, bot experiences uh, basically off the top of that. This does kind of feed into bot framework because that has its own uh, Q&A maker, I think it's called, isn't it? Well, is it well I was just about to, uh, as part of this, I was going to say, you know, where does Q&A maker fit in this? Is it called Q&A um, maker? Did I get yeah, that right? It was, it yeah, it was yeah, Q&A maker.io. Okay, okay. um, but yeah, I just okay. did a quick quick bit of research just kind of work it out. And it goes, it's being retired in 2024. Let me just double check. 2025, in March 2025, because there's already a, there's a new service in Cognitive Services, which I'm guessing is... yeah. This one, so and I believe what they've done is they've done it so that Q and A Maker can be detached from the bot service framework, like it's its own thing, if that makes sense. And it mm. is its own like area, right? So you can also use this to drive your in app experiences as well, right? Because you know, um, there there are there there's some tooling to do this. You know, there's things like um, you know, Zendesk and other support systems which can build, you know. Q and A's from knowledge bases and things like that, but this also allows you to build a very bespoke, maybe not even a support related Q and A system. You know, maybe um, you're you want to add a Q and A on top of all of your um, technical diagrams and documentation, right? You know, there's there's many different things that you could use uh, question answering for, uh, basically. Yeah, well, um, you you could yeah, use sorry, it for um, for you you know if you've got a, a retail site isn't it asking questions about a product that sort of stuff as well to to yeah if you had a catalog of like ten thousand yeah. different products and you didn't want people to do drop downs you could build like a q a maker to ask people you know uh to to get to the actual products or subset of products that you want them to get to in the quickest way possible right you know yeah i'd i'd i'd, I'd love to see a demo of that being able to like you know succinctly navigate through a large collection of items you know relatively quickly um, for sure. Um, next one for me is document summarization. 
So um, sh this is the ability to um, shorten content um, that users can. Um, so you might have some content that you it, is 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 longer, and you want to shorten it to get the key um, points across, but you know to reduce the amount of reading uh, that that users have to do. This is currently in preview, I believe. Um, uh, this feature. I'm not 100% sure if this one can be done at the edge. Um, I, I haven't got any notes on that, so I'm going to say no at the moment. Um, but um, so, so yeah, so, um, so there's extractive summarization. So extract sentences. Um, so it basically keeps the content the same, but just cuts out content. And there's abstractive summarization as well, which produces a summary by creating its own summary sentences as well. So it like rewrites it as it makes it shorter to make it. Uh, so one, one can basically go sub um, uh, sentence like length and one can just use those uh, sentences rearranged basically. So, so could this, could, could this write our show notes? <laughs> yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe this whole episode is just a, <laughs> us being lazy about <laughs> producing the podcast, <laughs> but I'm happy for it. Like, it's not a problem. Um, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, the next area... Stop, Alan. Stop slowing me down. Um, <laughs> the next one is conversational language understanding. Um, so um, what, what this attempts to do, do is to understand the, the language that is being used um, during a conversation to, un to interpret a user's goals and um, extracts key information from those conversa conversational phrases in order to do that. It works across 96 language languages. Um, and then you can, apparently you can train in one language and then you don't, and then apparently it can automatically uh, use that in other languages without retraining. And I don't know how that works, but they called that out. So it, wow. it seems like, are they like training one model and then using their translation service to then translate that model into it? I don't know. I, <laughs> I, at this point, I'm so like far in the weeds with this cognitive services. Um, but again, you can use the language studio. Um, you can um, it simplifies the, the creation and labeling and deployment of um, any custom models that you you want to to build. You you don't need any. Um, um, you don't need any like specific machine learning experience, um, you know, to, to get going. So, so what they're saying is you, you tag, you evaluate, you deploy, then you produce a sample again and you tag. So I believe what you're doing is you're reinforcing the learning of this model uh, with human interaction, I, I, I believe. And um, the last one is um the um the the text translation service so if you've ever used google translate effectively what this isn't a google translate this is a cognitive services translator i should say my apologies <laughs> can't use the g word around here um so um it, it supports over a hundred languages um and you can translate text um in between them again they support um does a domain specific um uh uh, and, and custom model tweaking. Um, so you can, because one big thing about translations, because I've, I've been in that world, is that there is nuances in different contexts of how you're saying things in, in different, um, especially when you're targeting different age groups and things like that. 
Um, so it is customizable um, as well uh, for you. There's just so much there, isn't there, in that in that section? Just so much in the first. That, that's that's a, each one of these is a startup. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Like, I'm not joking, like, you can pay for, you know, if you don't want to build these things as a developer, you can, you can buy in specific tooling to do this. You know, there are APIs out there that you can pay to have a translator service, but this is just all fully, like, integrated into the same, you know, like, billing account. And, you know, it's, yeah. Wow. Okay. Next section then. So uh, what vision-based functionality is there that you could explain in, in cognitive, cognitive services? Okay. So um, vision is, is I think ever since we've had machine learning models and AI, you know, uh, vision, v vision, you know, OCR uh, image and video analysis has, has been a quite a key use case of that. You know, I would say probably one of the earliest, you know, um, detecting certain types of objects in, um, images and and video. Um, so so th that's what uh, cognitive services for vision gives you. Uh, you can do um, image analysis. Um, but what they've got, and if you if you uh, if you've never really been in the machine learning space, there are pre-built models that um, I can't remember the name of it. There's a really big open source one. I can't remember the name of it. Oh, it's it's escaping, but. That's a pre-trained open source model that is trained to de detect certain things. Like it can determine, it can it can detect dogs, cats, bananas, um, stop signs, uh, a variety of different uh, things. So what people will do is they will train um, singular or multiple models to detect different types of um, of, of objects. So apparently there is more than ten thousand objects that are supported. I believe they call them uh, co concepts and objects. Um, to, so you can detect them, you can classify them, you can caption them. So like draw boxes around them and, and flag them um, so that you can see. So if you had like a large data set of photos and you wanted to search all those photos to how many times is Alan's face, you know, in these photos, then, you know, if Alan is one of the objects it's able to identify, probably a bad example, um, then um you can do that to search um uh, to search um, images um you've also got um you've got optical character recognition so to extract printed and even handwritten text from image uh, from images which is just I don't know how you do handwritten, so that's just like mental to me. And there's also facial recognition as well, so identifying different um, people based on their uh, facial recognition, which is a little bit um, scary to me. So, uh, so this yeah, this kind of wasn't there a uh, what's my age site that Microsoft released that you could go and put your photo on it would guess your age or guess what was in the photo. No, I haven't seen that. No, no you I haven't seen that. There was, no. there was something uh, a couple of years ago it was, and you could basically put photos into it and they had example ones and it would tell you what was in it. So it would tell you that there's a door, there's a cat, you know, it was basically showing off, you know, this, this yeah. service, but yeah. just out there. And one of them was, you know, what's my age sort of thing. You'd give it a photo and go, oh yeah, you're, this photo makes you look like you're 46 or whatever. So yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And um, the facial recognition, the example that they use is, you know, like, um, I don't know if you've ever had it with like your mobile banking where you have to 
like um for instance for my bank i have to instead of me using my card reader now i open the app it shows me my face and i've just got to blink and they take a picture of me and they verify it against a previously held image of me it's a bit weird but that sort of thing where you're actually doing like facial recognition of is the person that's in front of like your application really the person um that, that, that's using it um and there's also in vision there's also a custom vision as well so you can um build your own custom vision model um you can create your own objects to detect so imagine you are a like let's say you're a, a manufacturing um you know um organization and you want to detect i don't know when one of your widgets isn't on the line or something like that i don't know really bad example but you can actually you know train a model yourself to detect specific objects that you are interested in not just generic you know i want to be able to detect dogs i want to be able to detect you know the wrenches that i build on my production line you know to make sure to see if they've fallen off the belt or something like that. I don't know. Bad example. I'm terrible with examples on the fly. My apologies. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, sorry, I kind of see that, like you said, it's kind of the manufacturing where you've got part of a object or your, you know, whatever it might be that might not actually mean anything to, you know, but the end product, you know, maybe it's a toy of a dog, you know, you've got the tail, you've got the, the ears or whatever, and then you'll put it together to make the, the object that it would be able to recognize. You're building the, the, the solution to recognize those separate parts so you can see if they are valid yeah. and etc yeah and if you had your widget that you were detecting right let's say you i don't know let's say you like forge steel right and you want to detect if like you know like no let's let's not use that example let's <laughs> let's just use an example of like you want to detect every time a widget is seen you know in a in a in a video feed right um, for you to train a model to see that widget, you know, um, and to detect that widget, could you imagine like the cost of hiring like a machine learning expert to come and train you a model specifically for that and the time it would take you to to do that? Oh no, you just you know you just jump into the um, uh, the user you know user friendly interface to build your custom vision you know model. You upload your source images of what you want it to detect. You train a model. And then you can either run it in the cloud. Oh, and by the way, this one, you can run at the edge as well, like in your wow. you know, manufacturing facility on a rugged edge device. You know, like it's just, I want to try this. I don't know <laughs> what I'm going to train, but I want to train something really obscure, right? Um, so, so yeah, uh, apologies. I, <laughs> I'm getting, think, so, so that to me is like, you know, again, no, no need to, you know, no need for any specific machine learning expertise. You know, it's like, and you you've got I I I could there there must be loads of potential real world use cases for that. You know, uh, definitely. Yeah, it definitely sounds like it. Okay, on to the next section because we are uh, we're hitting quite a, a long episode already. Yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, decision making section. Where what's you know what use cases are in there? Okay, so anomaly detection, which I think is really interesting. So if you have a time um, series, if you have a data set that is based on a time series, so let's say you're feeding data from a temperature sensor, 
right? And let's say the nominal voltage, uh, nominal voltage, nominal temperature that you want to see is 100 degrees, right? Let's say you've got some controlled environment that needs to be 100 degrees. Um, what you can do is you can use anomaly detection to show what the expected value is, and you can detect anomalies in that. So if if your temperature spikes suddenly to 120 degrees, you could then use anomaly detection to see that you've breached that threshold. But on any type of um, time series data. Um, so this could be data flowing in from um, temperature sensors, uh, pressure sensors, vibration, velocity sensors, so IoT or OT devices um, in manufacturing. Um, so you can you can basically stream anomaly uh, data into the anomaly detector um, in, in real time. There is also the ability to send not just um, univariant uh, data, which is one singular. So my example is univariant, um, which is just like one temperature sensor, but you can do also do multi-variate um, um, uh, APIs where you can feed in um, multiple values. So let's say you've got a pressure and a temperature sensor, and you can also then um, detect um, anomalies based on both of the characteristics of each of those data sets that are flown, uh, flowed in. So you can actually say, you know, if the temperature increases, it's also normal that the pressure would increase X, Y, or Z, you know, and, and look at detections, uh, anomalies, uh, basically on uh, both of those values or, or multiple values um, that are being passed in. Um, the next one is uh, content moderation. So this is looking for um, potentially unwanted text um, in um, uh, images, text, and even video moderation as well. So you could do image, text, and video, which is pretty mental. And they've also got a human review tool. So just like you know, um, if you if you are in you know like uh, like system like YouTube must have a human review tool. I assume not unless it's all just done by computers now. Um, but if you do ingest um, text data, um, image data, or video data, you've got a way that you can go and have humans review at least some part of of that, which is then uh, potentially flagged for moderation. So you could build that into your platform. You could say anything that's automatically flagged is potentially harmful, goes through human validation before it actually gets released onto the to the site. How powerful is that? That's you know, that's 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 insane. Um, Save a lot of time, wouldn't it, to do that pre-check, that triaging, definitely. Ex exactly, yeah, like edge case, you know, um, uh, detection. Um, and the last one is a uh, person personalization service. So this is a service which you can, um, you, I can't, it's hard for me to explain this, right? So I'm just going to use the notes I pulled from Microsoft, but it is used to improve recommendations and next best actions and content offers for users. So what I, what I don't really understand is how the system understands the sort of KPIs and the user behavior to drive the recommendations because I haven't, this is one that's on my list to like have a look at because this for me, when you're talking, um, when you're building like applications, what you can do is like, if you're onboarding a new user, you might have a specific set of steps that they have to go through. 
right? So you say like the first thing you do is go and set up your profile. And the next thing you do is go and add this widget. And the next thing you do is go and add this widget. But that is very prescribed and sometimes, especially different levels of like user ability, that user experience can be broken quite quickly. Um, so what you'd really want to do is to have a system that understood all of the user journeys and flows through your systems and then work out what people have completed and then recommend the next action based on what they've completed in the context of your organization, if that makes sense. And I think this is what this is doing. It's basically saying, you know, how is the user interacting with your system? What's our best you know, guess judgment in terms of what we should recommend to that user next. So it may be an advert that you're displaying to the user on a website, depending on what they've interacted with on your website. You know, if a user is looking at the um, the lawn mowers on your e-commerce garden shop online, um, and then they they jump over to strimmers, then maybe you should send them to show them a deal of a you know lawn mower strimmer combo package that's going to save them. X amount of pounds, right? Um, so I think this is where these types of recommendations are actually um, being fed in. Um, but again, something for me to to look at because I haven't looked in, in 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 a huge amount of depth. Yeah, they definitely sound interesting. Um, don't th I think it will probably go too too heavy for me. I think um, Q and A maker was probably the easiest thing for me in this area. <laughs> um, anyway. Um, Okay, moving on to the next section. So we talked about OpenAI. Um, again, we talked about it earlier, there's a lot of it being integrated. Um, you kind of said that these, some of these services are included. Um, yeah, is there any more information around that? Yeah, so so what, what we're seeing with OpenAI is effectively um, a large number of the OpenAI models um, being effectively wrapped around. because for OpenAI, they've got their own APIs anyway. So you can you can connect into things like ChatGPT and access them via REST. Um, but I think what we're seeing here is we're seeing a wrapper, a Microsoft-based wrapper around that for cognitive services. Um, for, you know, Azure-based organizations to actually utilize um, those those models as well. So we're, we're seeing things like, uh, you know, uh, GPT-3, uh, chat GPT, even the latest version of that, which is, I believe, GPT-3.5 Turbo, I think is the latest version of that. Um, and then there's loads of uh, other ones like uh, DALI-E you can use, which DALI-E is a, like an image generator, which is unbelievable. If you've never used it, you should definitely go and uh, try it out. It's there's a, There's a free tier on OpenAI as well. You just describe what you want it to generate and it'll it'll generate it for you, which is just, yeah, um, yeah, uh, cr crazy basically. So, so if you are, if you do want access to the models that OpenAI um, have um, and, you, and you, you wish to do that in a, like a Microsoft um, focused way, then the Azure OpenAI service is, is, is definitely a way uh, f f for you to do that. And what I think what we're, we're seeing is, is the Azure OpenAI service, personally for me, is how a lot of these other integrations are actually happening. So for instance, you know, uh, we've seen GPT-3 being embedded onto Power Platform uh, for, uh, for uh, inside of Power Platform uh, to, generate, to be able to generate code um, from language. Um, so that's actually called out as one of the use cases on the uh, 
um, Azure OpenAI service that it was actually used um, for Power Platform. Um, there we're also seeing as well um, GitHub's Copilot. You may have seen that it's like a programming. Um, it's it's a programming like assistant. You pay, I think it's like ten dollars a month or it's fifteen dollars a month. I can't I can't um, f- uh, can't remember. But it's trained on a uh, public repositories of data, which is it's a little bit controversial around that. But we won't go into that. Um, but it can effectively um, help you to program. Um, it can auto complete and a lot. Um, so you, you can it's it's very scary you can effectively if you're like creating a function or something like that you describe the name of the function press tab and it can write the whole thing for you and it is actually really 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 powerful um so we we were seeing an integration um there as well so um so yeah so de- definitely check out if you if you've seen good publicity of open ai models and you might want to include them in your own applications uh, definitely check out the um the Azure Open API service because they are um, large pre-trained AI models which do unlock new scenarios for you. Um, you can also create custom AI models which are fine-tuned with your data, data and hyperparameters. Um, and also there's sort of enterprise-grade security in RBAC and also the ability to uh, utilize these systems inside of private um, networks as well. So when you are actually consuming these, you're potentially, you know, using sensitive models and putting sensitive data into them. So you might want that in a completely isolated environment, you know, inside of maybe a, you know, your own um, disconnected VNet. So that, that that is also possible with the uh, Azure Open API service. Wow, I mean that's the massive error. And and Chat GPT four came out three days ago as well. Oh, is it four is the latest one, is it? Yeah, okay, just yeah. came out three yeah. days ago, and I just had a quick look, and um, the Bing chat and the Bing uh, you know, search engine side of stuff is already integrated with it, so it's like straight out the yeah, door. So, so my assumption is, is they're using that straight away for those services, and then we'll see it being, you know, once it's tested, <laughs> it'll, it'll come to here. Cool. Right, last, last question then, and we all love this one. How much does it all cost? How do we pay? Well, for I'm it? definitely not going through the pricing of all these different things. <laughs> but the key takeaway is, is, is it is all, or the vast, vast majority of it is consumption based. So it's like X amount of thousands of something costs X amount of money. So that's obviously very good for when you're starting up. Um, you know, if you want to validate a, a good way to look at this, I, I would say is if you want to validate a business idea, this is a very, very good way to get AI into your applications without having to pay the upfront cost of making these models. Then at the point at which you are consuming Azure Cognitive Services too much and you can afford a three to five person AI team (laughs) to be part of your organization, which is probably a lot of usage and you'll probably, you may never even get to that point. so, so the fact that it's pay-as-you-go um, consumption is is very, very powerful, in, in my opinion. So um, you'll have to look up specific nuances for each scenario. Um, I tried to also find out what the difference in pricing was for running your workload Microsoft side or in a container. 
what I could see it was it was just the same price. That was what I basically saw. And I, I don't personally think that that is correct, um, but I couldn't find anything else to the contrary. If you look on the pricing table, it just basically has one price listed. So... Yeah, I guess if yeah, I guess if it's sitting on Azure Stack or something like that, then you're paying for that service, aren't you? Maybe I don't know. You said some of those scenarios is you can run it on your own hardware, but if some yeah. of them are set to yeah. Azure Stack, then you're paying for that that part, aren't you? So then it's sitting on that hardware. You're already kind of paying for it. Maybe potentially might make yeah. yeah, might make it more sense. Um, but yeah, that's yeah. really good that you don't have to spend hundreds of pounds, thousands of pounds to even get into the, in, you know, in, into the area, you can just test it out yeah. and, and see, cause actually you're right. If you might have some small scenarios, like we might have some that might help us with some of our stuff that we're building, um, that could help us and just save us some time. Also, exactly. I, I can't think of anything yeah. right now, but well, I do, I do see some stuff with who we, you know, for what we do, but, um, but yeah, so. Great. Well, is there anything else um, you can think about? I mean, we've no. we've heard a lot. We're we're quite a long episode for the, for the people yeah. uh, listening. Yeah. So. No, definitely a taster for everybody listening. I hope that was helpful um, uh, to you. And um, I, I'm going to spend a lot of time going through each of those to understand, you know, what benefits it could give us. For me, the one that I is really stand out to me is the um, entity recognition in text. Um, so, like understanding the contents of documents, what's in them, um, potentially for things like, and, and there are compliance tooling that can do this anyway. Um, but I would really like to see how it can pull out PIO information from, but from like OCR um, as well to maybe fill some gaps in different places. So. Yeah, so that that's a really powerful thing that I can see. Great. Well, thanks, Sam, for uh, a really uh, quick, uh, I say quick, whistle top store, but definitely uh, a lot of detail in there about some of the things we can use it for. So thanks for that. Yeah, thanks. So, uh, Alan, what are we, uh, what are we up for next time? So we're going to talk about Intune. And um, I'm going to say Intune this time because it's not Endpoint Manager anymore because it's got rebranded back to Intune. Um because they've got a new um, a new suite, a new Plan 2 license. It's not just Intune on its own anymore. We've now got a second tier to it. It meets the, the family of all the rest of the, uh, the Microsoft products where there's a, there's a second tier. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, we're going to run through what's new, what's coming, what's out, because some of it's not quite there yet, but some of it is very interesting around managing your devices. Um, I heard quite a lot about this at Ignite um, in you know, in 2022 when they announced it, and now we're starting to see some of it. And it's I th I think a lot of it's interesting from a management and support perspective of your devices. Okay, great, yeah, can't can't wait for that. And um, yeah, it's it's good to see that they're um, sort of bulking that Intune rebrand out with even more capability, right? So yeah, very interesting to see uh, what we can do now. Um, so if you've enjoyed this episode, please do consider subscribing if you'd like to listen to more of this sort of content in the future. Um, we have many more topics that we'd like to cover, and your listens and support is what will, to, what will continue to fuel the podcast going forward. We also have the ability for you to give us some feedback. Did you enjoy this episode? Disagree with our thoughts, or did we miss something? Um, we've got a, a contact page that's uh, linked in the in the show notes. 
um, yeah, give us some feedback or leave us a voice message. Yes, definitely. I think what I'll also do is I'll add the voicemail to the uh, the notes as well, for sure. Yeah. Make okay. it easy. Cool. Uh, thanks, Alan. Um, yeah, hopefully that was uh, valuable to, to people listening and we'll catch you on the next one. Yes, thank you, Sam, for this episode. And yeah, thanks for everyone for listening and speak to you soon. Bye.